Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's going great. Yeah. I'm just like educating my brain and stuff. With what? <laughs> I am starting a new round of podcasts. <laughs> yes. Because, so I saw, I think some article, obviously a clickbait is like my best friend, but there was an article that said something, these are the political podcasts that you're going to want to tap into if you want to like learn about what's going on. Should probably listen. That's what I was thinking. So I Hit me I, up with your Ricos. I think that's what I'm going to do. So I haven't listened to all of them yet. Um, and I want to like be thoughtful about what, what I'm recommending to make sure I like them. So I subscribe to, I think, like five new podcasts. Whoa. Right. And so one of them is like a, a straight up 538 is, is a political podcast. I can't remember the guy's name, but it's like very like data oriented and then one is called left right center and it comes with like the different perspectives of an issue which again i feel like i you know what i like that i feel like i want that to be well versed and then there's another one that really centers around like women's issues in politics and then how we support like women running for office and all of those things which i find very important i can't remember the name of it and then two others that i think were just generals so I'm going to start listening to them, especially now we're gearing up for the 2020 election. I want to be as well-versed on, like, candidates and issues and figure out, like, what my opinion is versus what, like... What the, other people are saying. Right. And being like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, I want to be really thoughtful about how I'm taking in information. So I've just subscribed to all these podcasts and I will do the re- recommendations as I figure out, like, which ones I like. And you know, there are different reasons that you don't like podcasts, not even necessarily because of the content, but because of the people on them. Sometimes you're just like, I am not a fan of you. So I'm going to take my time drill into them, see which ones I like, which content I like, which people I like, and then I will report back. Love it. Yeah. And I definitely, I feel you, I will probably want uh, a few of these recommendations because that's an area in which I am not listening to those those categories as much in my podcast queue. Yeah. There's only one that I listen to because it's funny and I really like it. It's Love It or Leave It from Crooked Media. And I just really like, he has guests on, it's like a panel situation. And I really like it and I do learn a lot there, but I think there's more perspectives that can be taking in in addition to theirs. And that's my main goal. So we're that, doing it. Yeah. We're there's this it. idea too of like knowing what the other side yeah. is thinking and how they converse and how they approach their thought process, what their beliefs are mm-hmm. and how... I think it's more helpful to come at things from an understanding of, like, let me hear you right? so that we can have a conversation about this. And I like, agree. I don't want to be, like, in an echo chamber just hearing my own thoughts. I want to understand what other people are thinking so that yeah. I can disagree with them from, like, an, a well-educated place. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> that's always the goal. Uh, so that's my update. What are you uh, updating us with today, Brian? I am trying to branch out and because, uh, as we know, I'm uh, hard on my meal prep train. Love it. And I feel like I've been making a lot of the same things lately. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to branch out. I'm going to try some different recipes, mm. try some different flavors, add to my pantry. And I found a V Delicious Thai chicken bowl mm. recipe from Pinch of Yum. That sounds delicious. Which we will link to in show notes, queenspeaking.com 
slash 82. Uh, and I made it my own, which is like usually what I do with recipes because I'm like, well, I don't have Serrano peppers. So what can I... This is what I do got. What, what can I put in this place? And uh, I think that that is fun when you're getting into when you're a little bit more comfortable with flavors and trying to like mix and match certain things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so I added red bell pepper and um, this was more like kind of veg heavy. And so uh, I wanted a A starch, a a starch to pair with it. So I had vermicelli rice noodles. That's how you say it. Vermicelli. I'm only saying that because I literally heard on a podcast this morning that that's how you're supposed to say it. Okay, because you know that I had a lot of different ways that I was trying to say that. But in Italian, wouldn't it be vermicelli? But I thought they... Vermicelli. But isn't vermicelli... Isn't it Asian? They might be. In this case, these are rice noodles. <laughs> got, so it, got it, got it, got they it. Ha- <laughs> they're made for this type of recipe. Got it. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> To each their own on pronunciation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what they say. <laughs> but I wanted that to be a base to give it a little bit more like heartiness. Oof. I like that. Because it was like a, it was dinner. I like a noodle bowl. So good. It's my fave. But the combo of veggies with the chicken and all of the things made it so fresh and filling. And the dressing made it. There's just something it like about a like peanut? a yeah, it was mm. like a, a little bit spicy peanut soy flavor, mm. and it was so savory. But like that hint of sweetness and that kick of heat, oh, it, we are adding it to the regular rotation. It's so good. That is awesome. I love when you find something that you're like, I could eat this pretty much every day yeah. and be happy. We had that with the uh, miso pesto ramen from so good Mm -hmm. from bon appetit that's like our go-to move if we and we usually have like most of the things on hand to make it up real quick so it's nice to have that like in your arsenal because miso is like shelf stable right oh yeah keep that forever Forever. for literally we still have so much of it too it's like in this big like plastic container thing and it only takes like a teaspoon or two or a tablespoon or two at a time so like it'll take a while cilantro and parsley yep and two different types of oil like a sunflower or an avocado oil as well as well as a you know an evo but again like things that you buy once and just have for a while so it's nice to have everything like on the shelf ready to go oh so good it's fantastic but that sounds awesome um i will be looking that up because as you know i am well i'm kind of on you know unsure with chicken still but i'm getting there so i'm doing it seven seven I'm medium medium high. high. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'm good now. I can make it. (laughs) Best tool though. Meat thermometer. Yeah. Just to double check. I think I have one. And let it rest for five minutes. I can't remember though. That's great. That's something I should find out. Anyway. um... (laughs) What are we talking about today, Sid? (laughs) Switching gears a little bit. There is... Okay, this is just uh, as a as an aside slash a precursor to this episode. This um, article that we're kind of basing the episode on was very close to home for both of us. It so it's based on this article, <laughs> and obviously I'm already struggling. <laughs> um, the crane wife is a short, I would say, like a short essay 
written by <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they call it an essay um what a 10 minute read i'd say so yeah packs a real punch for a short read though you may need to take a couple breaks i mean breaks and then multiple reads i'd say as well a reflection yeah at least one get back to it i'd say at least maybe three but it was written for the paris review by cj hauser and it caught my attention because it was recommended by an interviewer slash author that i really like her name's ashley c ford i think i've talked about her before Um, And she's just, I mean, Ashley C. Ford is excellent. And so, you know, when you find those people that you will read literally anything or do anything that they're like, I recommend this. I'm like, yep, I'm going to do that. So I'm really glad I saw it by chance on Twitter. Um, And I not, honestly, this might be awful to say, I'd never heard of the Paris Review, but it seems like an essay site that's also very popular. Okay, it is. (laughs) It's a place, it's definitely, it's a a well-known publication. I had not even ever heard of it. So this opened up a new door for me, which I'm excited about. Which is interesting to hear because, A, when you were like, I've shared this article from the Paris Review that I think we should uh, discuss. I was like, Sid, you read the Paris Review? I need to up my, like, newsletter (laughs) sign-ups. Your literary game. (laughs) It's like, everything is, like, too technical. And I read this article and was like, these are the things that I should be reading. I was literally like, I need to add this to my queue and need to read this more often, need to make this like a top five, you know, website that I visit on a regular basis. So that's the um, website that it was on. And I'm just so glad that this, honestly, it was totally by chance because I was just scrolling Twitter that that she had reposted it. I've never heard of CJ Hauser, but now I'm kind of obsessed with her. I'm excited to get to know more of her yeah get to know more (laughs) of her work um and so this this essay is called the crane wife and there are some major themes in such a short um essay but all of them literally just like screaming in my face to be like this is this is something you need to read this is something you need to internalize you need to use this as part of your like discourse going forward but one line really stood out that I think does a fairly good job of summarizing the essay and it is how I convinced myself it was my lack of needs that made me worthy of love and I again I read this multiple times you read it multiple times but I think and you can disagree but I think that's one of the lines in there that really like well uh rounds the overarching theme of need and what our issues around needs are um that kind of come out throughout the essay would mm-hmm. you would you say yes i feel there there are pieces of there's so many pieces of it that i'm like oh yes oh my god yeah. no <laughs> <laughs> why <laughs> but it it's this like the the negative side of adaptability mm-hmm. that kind of slapped me in the face yes. of like, I'm go with the flow. Right. And how dangerous that can be. And yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we will ever be able to do this justice. I would just strongly suggest you go to the show notes, you click on this. We will share it on both our personal and the podcast Instagrams because I, I feel this strongly about it. Mm-hmm. And I think you do too. 
um, that we really want to make sure that like to really understand where we're coming from in this episode, I think it makes a lot of sense to also read this essay, if that makes sense. So today we're going to be talking about needs, why they matter, why they're necessary to survival, which is another thing that CJ talks about in this essay, um, and how to learn to communicate them even when it's really hard and when it means like, a lot of what we talked about in the last episode means like stepping out of your skin and into a new skin. Like communicating them is a core reason of survival in this case. So, let's, yeah. let's get into it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, one of the themes in, in the essay is how we've taught ourselves to survive on less. And one of the things that really comes through in that theme is as the author talks about like... Um, she realized she was like kind of whittling herself down to like a very, a very small box of what she needed to be happy or move forward or speak up or any of these things. And so she was basically saying like, I just taught myself that I didn't need so many things and could still like get through my day. And when we talk about needs, it's um, being shown love. It's being shown support. It's being communicated in a with, with in a way that, makes you feel heard, but also helps you hear the person in front of you. Mm-hmm. So that's what we mean um, when we talk about needs. It's uh, it's not like, you know, housing and food and water. Um, this is kind of coming from like the emotional, yes. the emotional side of things and um, what we do to ourselves that make us feel like we don't need things. Um, and then when we get them, we're like, oh my God, <laughs> it's like you see light again. I mean, it's, 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 it's wild. Yeah, I think the thing that really caught me um, was just how often we diminish our needs as women mm-hmm. um, and shy away from sharing them and shame ourselves for feeling a certain way. And there were so many pieces in the story where she she talked about how, because um, it's essentially a story about um, her leaving a relationship where her partner had or her fiance had uh, cheated on her and like gaslit her into believing that like it was fine. Yeah. Right. And how she expressed certain things of like, no, this person's not invited to our wedding. Mm-hmm. And he was like, but it will be weird if she, she's not there. Right. And like he said, how will I explain to my family why she's not there? Making that her problem when he's the one that cheated with her. I mean, it was just, I was reading it. I was like, this is insane. And there's one part of the article where, or the essay where she says, reader, I almost married him. And it was after like this buildup of all of these awful things. And you're just like, oh, like it's hard to breathe. Yeah. And so in that, in that space, I see myself. Mm-hmm. I see women I know from friends to coworkers, strangers. It's this like, riding of a line between independence and codependence on the people that you like spend your life with Mm -hmm. and like dedicate all this time with and slowly realize like everything that I'm doing is for you and everything that I believed was true to me has not been expressed and like how we feel how how difficult it is in so many ways to feel like we're struggling to be seen and to be heard Mm -hmm. and like 
there's this element, and I think it's very present, like it might be more present for past generations, but especially for us in the time that we were growing up during, you know, the mid-90s. <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> um, 20 years ago, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but these subtle moments that taught us to be passive during our upbringing and how hard it can be for us to break out of these molds, even as adults, to communicate clearly what our needs and wants are to the people around us mm. and the value that exists in like, oh, it's great if you're like, you, you're you flexible, you're go with the flow. Like I said before about like the negative side of adaptability mm-hmm. and when all of a sudden you wake up and realize that the life that you're living is not the life that you chose for yourself. Right, right. You just kept fitting yourself into a smaller and smaller and smaller box until like, you know, you bust out one elbow and you're like, wait a minute. I don't fit here. This doesn't fit me at all. And like you said, this must have just started forever ago. I think from a very young age, we're just kind of told not just to like fall in line, but also just never need too much. Like you never want to be the person that needs anything um, or like the the problem or something like that. You know, like you never want to be that person because that person um is, is too much. I think that there's so much conversation right now too around like, don't you like, I want to be too much. I want to be too loud. I want to be everything that everybody has always told me that I'm not supposed to be because being that person feels way better. Even if it like shoves people out of the way, than the person that you've come to know about yourself, that is a person who just bends and bends and bends and bends. And I think, um, the needy word came up a lot in this essay too, where it was like neediness and like low maintenance were, or high maintenance were bad things. Whereas in men, like neediness and asking for what you want is basically what that translates to is like ambitious and passionate and how these words have then been sunk into our systems and how we then operate from that place of, of, of less. Um, It also, does a really beautiful job of um, like what we feel our needs and what we feel are nice to haves without realizing that those things are actually needs if they make us feel loved and heard. So like the nice to haves again, like felt like it was being high maintenance and then in like the nice to haves um, were things that like that was just wanting too much. And that's really hard to grapple with. And it's really hard to grapple with in such a way that this essay did such a great job of, of like just putting it out there. And it was so honest and so direct. And that was like really hard to take, I think. Um, And it's, it was, it was, it was really, (laughs) and it's how we've taught ourselves to survive on less (laughs) because we've never been people that wanted to need anything. And that was another thing that the author talked about in there. Like you never want to be the person that needs anything. You just, you just want to be able to survive with what you have emotionally um, and mentally. And it was just, Oh, it was just, woof. And there's a, there's an element of it where it's like the openness to things at a certain point in your life is like very freeing and, and exciting and fun. And like, that's, and that can be attractive at a certain point. But the second that you shift that to be like so many ways of how we've talked about this of like setting a boundary or saying like this is something that I need or this is a value that I have or I don't like the way that you said that to me. Mm -hmm. Can you stop talking over me? Period. And like 
the reaction that you get from that can sometimes be jarring. Yeah. And it's hard to deal with that. And then you're like, I'm sorry. Right. You're like, I didn't mean to say it that way. I didn't mean to say it that way. And then you're like, wait, wait, wait. I'm backtracking on a thing that I fully meant. Yeah. <laughs> and then you that becomes practice. And then you're apologizing for everything that you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to guilt. <laughs> <laughs> there is a guilt complex that comes with expressing our needs. I think that is another thing that we've practiced for a very long time unintentionally. Um, but now is like fully ingrained. <laughs> yes. It made me really think about how people perceive us. And when I say us, I always am thinking about like in solidarity, me and the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> All of us. But what are we in and, and what it, what do we show the world of ourselves? And like what we know in our of ourselves in our minds is one thing, mm-hmm. but how are we acting in response to that or in reflection of that and what do we say to affirm the version of ourselves that we are in our minds to the world Mm -hmm. and is it is it aligned right because a lot of times you're like i'm a strong confident person and people are like i don't know if i see that or like or you think that you're expressing the thing that you need to express to the world and it's not being taken seriously right and i think that's the hard thing is like feeling like the things that you're saying are not being taken seriously and then be like okay yeah i guess i won't do that again (laughs) (laughs) and um i think it it reminds me of how hard it is to ask for help Mm -hmm. and that i should just do it all on my own because asking for help is weakness right and where did that come from Like, how did I learn that? And why is that so deeply ingrained in me? And I think the article led me to ask more questions of myself um, and the things that we think about. And, like, it's a consistent, and especially, like, as more conversations happen, I feel like it's being brought up, like, we're having conversations about this at work and Mm -hmm. with certain individuals, again, like, thinking about women especially, Mm -hmm. where it's like, no, we need to stand our ground and say what we need in this type of environment that we're working in, especially when the men are just plowing over us. Right, right. And and then you start to think and you're more aware. And then the way that you react in certain scenarios, um, it, it can be jarring to experience that and work through that and not know how to navigate it appropriately and know that you're probably like not going to be a pleasing person to be around right as and that's terrifying yeah and it sucks and like some days you feel super clear and other days you're just riddled with self-doubt right right and i all of these points are so true and as you talk about like asking for help and how it's seen as a weakness i think sometimes there's this moment of like Am I not problem solving? Because problem solving is a thing I should be able to do. So if I'm if I'm problem solving, then I can do this all on my own. When what's what really is happening, if you are problem solving, you recognize the need to ask for help and you recognize the need that like things will be better when there are more people as part of this this effort or there are more people in on this conversation. Instead of seeing that as a weakness, like you just empowered yourself enough to ask for help. And somehow like the like the opposite backwards version of that has then just been fully implemented and then you're quiet and then you're quiet forever <laughs> until something goes wrong by not asking for help. And that's what it usually takes is, and then it's even after that such a hard transition to make 
um, because then you're fearful of asking for too much help. Like, you know, it's like an endless, it's an endless cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, but that weakness point is so, so, so true. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about the guilt complex, putting someone out is always my biggest concern. I am always terrified that like someone has to do more because of something that I need. And that is where my guilt comes from. That's where I like it really shelled up is because I'm sitting here being like, if I can just do it myself or, um, something even along those lines. Like I'll just, I'll, I don't want anybody to do anything more than they have to do. So I end up doing 30 times that. And it comes down to, to understanding again, not just what you need, but how much you're doing to save everybody else from doing anything. And from anybody else, um, understanding what your needs are, you are then taking on everything. And it is not helpful. It is not good for anybody, especially you, but it's this process that we have of putting ourselves like way on the back burner. And, um, we'd rather like silently flail (laughs) than ever, ever experience the guilt of, um, putting someone else out. And it happens. I mean, honestly, it happens way too often like now like right now (laughs) of that you know this this is part of someone's job but yet I don't want to put them out I'm like but it's part of their job (laughs) you know it's like the inner dialogue that I'm having with myself now that this is like been called to attention it's like this you need to figure this out because this is not helping anybody and it's especially not helping you and that really needs to be part of the narrative in a way that it it just it just has not been, I don't know. <laughs> it's just a lot. And then I think like, are other people experiencing this? Like are other people going through this? And then, you know, someone asks you like, why didn't you tell me you needed this? Like someone told me, asked me that the other day. And I'm like, that's a, that's a great question, Karen. I really, <laughs> I really like, and like my answer was that I, I really don't know. Like I really didn't know why I didn't ask for help. And I think, or tell that person what I needed. I had no idea. <laughs> and in that instance, it, it it was going back to that problem solving versus um, asking for help moment. Like I can problem solve this. Like I will just take it all on and I will problem solve this mm-hmm. instead of understanding that problem solving was asking for help. That was what that would have looked like. Wow. (laughs) This is such a, like, this is so, we should put a disclaimer (laughs) on when we, when this episode goes out and just say, like, read this first, then listen. (laughs) Seriously, though. But there's, there's this idea, like, one of the things, obviously, like, the theme, the centerpiece of the whole essay was the the essence of the crane wife, which is actually a Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the this crane wanted to marry a man and spent her all of her time in the evening picking out all of her feathers to appear as a woman mm-hmm. and to be a woman to be the person that this man wanted her to be. And she woke up, she spent all of her time trying to be something that he wanted mm-hmm. and was exhausted. And just, like, that statement of exhaustion and, like, how much time we spend trying to be 
something that we think someone else needs Mm -hmm. and whether it's relationships or work or friendships or whatever Mm -hmm. I feel like this comes up in so many different ways for everyone that like to sit there and be like how many times have I done this right and just been like let me cater to you yeah there is one what do you need there is like there is one specifically where I feel like it stands out so aggressively that it like makes me sick to think about and it is that it's exhausting it is exhausting and it is not it's it's unfortunate that i can't even say it's anybody else's fault because it's exactly what this article or this essay talked about is that you know she was like i could blame it on the um I could blame it on the cheating. Like, that's what I said, is that he cheated, and that's why I ended it. Ended the the um, engagement, like, a week or two before the wedding or something. Like, it was or months, maybe, before the wedding. Either way, it was, it was they were engaged. Like, everything was rolling. And she's like, I was saying that it was because of the cheating, which then puts it on someone else. But what it really was is there was a slow deterioration of understanding what she needed to feel like a person who felt valued in a relationship. And what that then goes to is how do you hold on to that person and how do you communicate who that person is and what those needs are and don't get rattled when they don't jive with with the person, whether, like you said, it be the relationship, the friendship, the work relationship, whatever it is, like getting rattled by someone saying like, well, I, that's not how I operate. And then holding on tight and saying like, this is what I need. (laughs) And if you don't like it, then you can leave. (laughs) Hop on for the ride. (laughs) Well, and it's true. Like, and sometimes that might be harder in a work environment, but that then starts to show you, okay, like I need to move on. Or like this happened in this essay, you continue to strip away at that person and they're not even recognizable after a certain point and it is really really terrifying but that's what really stood out is as much as it is other people being terrible sometimes so much of it needs to be your commitment to your needs and and understanding that they are they are um appropriate and they are necessary and they are there for a reason and that needs to be something that we get better at understanding about ourselves and then how we like build up that armor to say like no you can't like do not pass go this is who I am this is what I need and like bending is one thing being you know compromising is one thing but but stripping away at someone's like core needs is something totally different Mm -hmm. um and that's what this really spoke to me about is is like that need for us to learn how to communicate them and not not walk away from them so true um i think it's really hard to uh, i don't even know i feel like this like next piece of this of like how do we do this Mm -hmm. fellow ladies yeah and know that we are like like everything we talk about fully entrenched in this as well yeah but like knowing what our needs are and identifying our values and saying like this is this is the hill I'm dying on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we talked about this recently, like, what are your core values? And I realize all my core values have everything to do with, like, what I'm going to do for other people. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm, like, reciting them and being very proud of them, being like, this is what I stand for. This is the person that I am. And that's wonderful. I, like, I still 
see those as core values, but and they, but all of them do maybe have take to do, shape in a slightly different way. <laughs> right, like this is what I'm doing for others because like this is how I operate. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, but like part of that needs to be what you accept from others and what you're willing to, like you said, like what's the hill you die on, and um, making those part of that like top five to ten core pieces of the way that you operate both receiving and giving. Yeah. In my mind, they exist in a way, Mm -hmm. but then the transition to communicating them is so difficult. So hard. And I ask myself often, and this is also problematic of like, am I being clear? (laughs) Was that direct enough? Mm -hmm. It's like, why are you questioning? You said what you said. Mm -hmm. Why are you questioning? And if someone has questions, they can ask. Yeah. And we put all of the weight on ourselves as the responsible party for all the things. And there's this element of like, yes, you have done what you need to do. You have said what you needed to say. Leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Additionally, also setting expectations and saying like, here's the boundary that I've set. Mm -hmm. You're now privy to what we're speaking of. Mm -hmm. And now we can move forward or just noting i think this is also part of part of the process is like i'm not going to be great at this but this is something that i have to do mm-hmm. and it's really hard it's really hard i'm not good at it mm-hmm. at all at all the, the hardest well, part me not you <laughs> <laughs> the uh the reading of this article was literally a slap in the face of like you spend all of your time worrying about other people and what they need yeah you don't even know what you need. Right. Which is, again, it's like, how did we get this far without that? But that's the reason it's so jarring is because you're like, I got this far without that? <laughs> like, it's it's almost terrifying to think about because at some point, like, it's always brewing there, right? Like, you know that you don't feel good about a thing and you know that, like, that wasn't how I wanted that to go. But the fear of upsetting someone and the complacency that comes with being in a certain role at work or being in a relationship that like you're like I'm trying to hang on and if if I just bend a little bit more like I'll be able to hang on like it's all of those or it's like I feel really good when I'm with you know a friend and do I want to mess that up by saying like you really hurt my feelings when you did that (laughs) like do I want to mess that up so you're doing all of like the mental gymnastics it takes to continue to be fine And like we talked about on the last episode about like you push things down, like you push and you push and you push. And then at some point you break. And what comes from that break is the need to understand what your needs are. And it's so sad that we bend so far for so long before we get to that point. And then it's, like, foreign territory. Like, we have no idea even how to navigate it. And, like, you're like, I'm a smart person. I've gotten this far. I've, I've done some things. I've accomplished a few things in my in my time. And I have no idea how to navigate this. Mm-hmm. And that, then, is even more terrifying. Because then you're totally unsure of every move you make after that. You're like, if I got this far without doing that, how will I move forward? <laughs> And again, we have a tendency to dive into the hole and like spiral downward very quickly. But I don't think that this is an isolated thing that just we are experiencing. You know, like there's a reason that that article got shared a thousand times. and CJ. And CJ. (laughs) And Ashley C. Ford. (laughs) Yes. Four people. 
Yes. At, at least four of us were very, <laughs> very hit by this. Um, oh, it's just, there's just so much here. There really is. There really is. And you're so right on everything that you just said, obviously. I think I've said that about a thousand times already, but I'm going to just say it again. And again, like not trying to feel like you need to identify someone else's needs in the process of telling someone what your needs are. Like just doing that volleying, like juggly thing of you're like, I can do everything I need kind of, but then really do everything everybody else needs. Like that just continues to rise to the top. The other thing I think about that you've said to me in, in other scenarios is like also doing the, like, here's the need that I have. And then like letting that exist and live and then being like, I don't own your feelings. Yeah. It's not my responsibility. Like you feel what you feel. Yep. Talk to me about it if you'd like. But I'm not responsible for your reaction. Yes, that is a classic new therapy tool that I now utilize often because it was so mind-blowing that I didn't have to take on someone else's stuff. Like that was something that I had literally never felt in my whole life was leaving someone with their feelings without trying to help them or take them back or make it go away by making myself small. And it was... Just, and it has, and I've done it and it has, and it does work. (laughs) There you go. It's tested. I've done it. And it's empowering to be like, I've not said anything mean or outright uh, hurtful in a way that I ever meant to hurt someone. And I think that's the, that's the kicker here. It's not like you're saying, it's when you're not saying something that's like meant to hurt someone or malicious or, you know, malintent or any of those things, but you're saying how you feel and you're saying what you need. And if somebody takes that in a way that then makes them all like out of sorts, the hardest thing is to be like, those are yours and I'm here and those are yours and I'm here. And I've done the flip as well. Like someone has said something to me that hurt me And I've said out loud, like, these are my feelings. I know I'm reacting this way because I'm upset, but these are my feelings. And I don't want you to feel like you have to take them back because these are mine. And it's empowering to be able to own your own as well as to let someone else own theirs. You know, like it's empowering on both ends um, and communicating through it was like hugely helpful. But you're so right. Like that, that process helps Um, us reconcile as we start to express and explain what our needs are to remind ourselves like those are theirs and they can have them and that's fine (laughs) it's like it's It's heavy one it's a game changer it's a game changer Um, so yeah right now I think we are learning how to communicate those needs and I think it means starting with one person right it means starting with someone you trust someone that loves you all the time and we'll hear you. And when you say like, this is a thing I'm working on and it's really uncomfortable for me, but I'm finding that this is something that I need to do right now. And this is what I need in this moment. Like do it with them and then do it with another person and then do it with another person after that. And it will start to feel like who you are because it is who you are. And that's it. <laughs> Mic drop. We're done here. <laughs> Oh, but as you can tell, (laughs) full on work in progress. Yeah. I feel like we're going to continue this. I think it's a conversation that needs to keep happening because we need to keep hearing it. Yes. 
And we should listen to what Sid said just five seconds ago. It's who we are. And I think what you said, too, your core values include both what you're giving and what you're receiving. And so figure out what your needs are in the way that kind of lives in that core value space. Like, what do you need when you're happy and you're feeling really good about work or your relationship? What's happening there? Are you communicating more often? Are you spending more time together? Are you getting all the resources that you need to be successful in your work environment? Like what identify what those what's happening around you in those moments, write them down, put them on a sticky note, make sure they're in front of your face at least once a day and make that part of your core values and then figure out how to talk about them more if they're not happening. Done. <laughs> Yes. So good. So, and this this essay was unbelievably powerful. So read it all the time. <laughs> and we will share, obviously, like Brianna said, ongoing conversation, which we will continue on Instagram at Queen Speak. Nope. It's Queen underscore speaking is where we are on Instagram. Shall we break? Let's break. <laughs> 